Mm-hmm. Um, she never knew about me. She thought that she was an only child for for her entire life. Oh. So finding out that she had that she has an older sister, that came is kind of like a shock to her. She, so she just told me it's like you know she needs she needs time she needs she needs space and I get that you know yeah it's like I I can't imagine going thinking that you're an only child for like most for your entire life and then finding boom you have an older sister. Who am I? 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 This is Who Am I Really? A podcast about adoptees that have located and connected with their biological family members. I'm Damon Davis, and on today's show is Dana. She called me from Ohio, a state we know has open adoption records. Dana shares her story of growing up with two younger siblings, biological to her parents, but feeling equally loved by her parents. She tells the heartbreaking story of learning that she would never meet her biological mother and the near miss of a second heartbreak with her suspected biological father. Luckily, Dana was able to recover from some misinformation to learn her father's identity. This is Dana's journey. Dana grew up in the suburbs of Cleveland, Ohio. Originally, her mother didn't think she could have children, but after Dana's adoption, their family did expand naturally. My adopted mom had like um, a series of, of miscarriages, and she was told that she would she would never have a child, see a child of her own to to full term. So she put in an application through through Catholic Charities. And they called her like um, right on her birthday, and they told her that we have this little girl here. Um, she's French and Serbian. We know that your husband is. Would you like to come look at her? My my parents were like really excited. They go, of course, yeah, we want to come come take a look at her. So um, they went into the orphanage. Um, I think it was um, St. John's um, um, Children's Home in Cleveland, Ohio, mm-hmm. and. They they look, took a look at me. My mom said there was kind of like love at first sight, and they took me home on my mom's birthday. So um, oh wow! Every year on her birthday, we celebrated like um, a cake for her and then a cake for for me because that was that was our our gotcha day. Wow! And <laughs> I love it. It was never kept a secret from me. It was never hidden. My mom actually did go on to have like um another a a baby to to full term that's my sister mm-hmm. and also like a, a son to full term so I have a, a an adoptive brother and sister and it was it was pretty cool because when um when my mom was pregnant with my sister she they actually came up for like um adoption for like a second time because she wanted a, a sibling for me and she, the social worker called her and my mom goes um well you know I can't do this now I'm pregnant and she goes well you know since I had I know you had like such a hard time like um keeping babies to to full term what i'm going to do is i'm going to put your file your case down at the bottom of the file i want you to call me when that baby's born and my mom did and my social worker actually came out to see me and my sister when my sister was born so oh that's <laughs> I thought so that cool. was really really sweet that she that she did that and everything you know that is really so, sweet that's incredibly thoughtful boy she's the right person for that kind of job huh exactly <laughs> that's really exactly. neat Dana's sister is three years younger than her, and her brother is 11 years younger. She acknowledges that there was a significant age gap between herself and her brother, but they were all treated equally. 
You may have heard Dana say that her family was told she was French and Serbian. When people ask her about her heritage, she refers to her adopted mother's Polish heritage and tells people that she's legally Polish. I was curious about what differences Dana may have noticed between herself and her family members. Her sister was an athlete, but Dana lacks the hand-eye coordination her sister has. And while it's not typically thought of as a family trait, she thinks she probably picked up her interest in sci-fi from her adopted father because they used to watch Star Trek together. My parents have always been like, like amazing and, and su- supportive. So mm-hmm. even when it came, when even when I first talked about like going after and looking for like my um my biological parents, they have they've just been wonderful and amazing. That's really great. As far as physical appearance, my everybody told me growing up that it's like they couldn't believe that I was adopted because I look so much like like my like my adoptive mom and my and my sister. Hmm. So it's like you know it's like I never saw any difference. It sounded to me like Dana was pretty comfortable in her home where everyone was loved and treated equally. So I wondered why she ever bothered to look for her biological family. She told me that three years ago, when the state of Ohio opened adoption records for those born in the 1970s, she couldn't fight the inner curiosity she's always had. Even though I was always accepted, I was always treated like like equally and, and, and like loving everything, I always had the questions. It's like I wondered... Like, if I looked like my birth mom, you know, it's like I, I wondered what she was like. I wondered why exactly she gave me up for adoption. So it's like, even though I, you always have, like, those questions in the back of your head head when you're an adoptee. Even growing up, like, you know, in, a, like, a wonderful environment, you always wonder. So when I heard that they were um, releasing the original birth certificates, the first person I contacted was my adopted mom, and I and I go, this is something I really want to do because it's like I've always wondered. I've always been curious. And she's told me that, Dana, if this is something that you want to, you want to do, go for it. She goes, if I was in your shoes, I would always like, I would have gone for it too because it's like I would have always been curious too. And she also told me that she felt like if they did a good, good enough job, like, like raising me, that it's like I would never want to leave them or abandon them. And I, I just laughed. I go, mom, it's like never, you know, you're my parent. Mm-hmm. You've loved me. You've raised me. It's like, why would I even think that? So for $20, Dana sent in her notarized adoption records paperwork. Seven months later, her original birth certificate arrived in the mail. It only had her birth mother's name on it. The birth father's name wasn't there. So Dana's husband, supporting his wife's desire for information, joined the search. My husband has been like amazing and supportive, too. <laughs> He actually went on online like the the day that we got it. I had to take my son to like a Cub Scout meeting, but he went on it the day that we got it, and he found her. Um, we found out some in- information on her. Unfortunately, the first thing that we found when we googled her name was um we found her obituary. Oh. So she had passed away um about like like two years prior to making my original birth certificate. We found out later that she passed away from from ALS. And I also learned that that's something that runs in the family, too. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. That so must have been that was, so sad to, yeah, to see that, that was, you just missed her by two years. Tears. I know. That was that was just devastating. Yeah. So there's a part of me that's, like, like mad at the state of Ohio. You know, it's like, why couldn't you, like, cut the red tape and get it done quicker so that way maybe I could have met her? You probably remember the acronym ALS from the Viral Sensation Ice Bucket Challenge, promoting awareness of the affliction 
also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. But more importantly, ALS is a rare but deadly nervous system disease that weakens the muscles and impacts physical function. Its full name is amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. Dana learned that her mother lived in Colorado, was married, and had another daughter, Dana's sister. The obituary revealed that her family had an aunt and uncle who passed away. Her maternal grandparents were deceased, but there was one living aunt, about 13 years younger than her mother, who was still alive. But making contact with that aunt meant she was reaching out to someone who may or may not know that she exists. And then it took me about like a year before I finally had the courage to, to write a letter to her. Really? Like, I'm over like, I didn't know how to begin. It's like, how do I reach out to her? What do I say to her? So um, what I did was I sent her. We also found a, a high school picture from my from my mom from her senior year of high school. And I sent her a picture of that. I showed I sent her a picture of myself. And there's no denying that I'm her daughter. I mean, we look that much alike in the in the pictures. It was wow. almost like looking like a, in a mirror when I saw that. So it's like I sent that along to her and she called me about like a week after I got the, after she got the letter and she goes, yeah, Dana, I'm, I'm your aunt. You're my, you're my niece. In the letter, Dana told her aunt, whose middle name is Marie, that her birth mother named her Marie when she was born. A unique fact that legitimized her identity against any skepticism. I asked Dana if her aunt knew of her existence. Her aunt admitted that even with more than a decade of an age gap between them, she had her suspicions. When um, she saw her and everything, she knows like certain things, like you know, like the like the growing the growing belly, and she said that like there were just like little like little things that that she knows when when they would get together, and then all of a sudden, you know, um, she, she didn't look pregnant anymore, and the baby was gone. So, you know, she never asked, but she she just. She, she, she suspected. Connecting with a relative can be really fulfilling, but you're forced to formulate a picture of the person you didn't get to meet through the words of others. I asked Dana what she learned about her mother from her aunt. She told me that my, my birth mother was very, very smart. Um, she was actually a college student and very, very smart. But like um, she also told me that my birth mom didn't exactly make the the best decisions when it came to men when oh. it came to to, to guys mm -hmm. she said that she was like kind of quiet a little bit shy gotcha but like very very um very sweet very loving she said that the way that she was raised her 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 sister would have never ever thought about like um having an abortion with me and everything she so um, that wasn't the way that the family was was brought up. And I, I told her, it's like the one thing that they wish I could have told her is just thank you. You know, it's like you gave me so many opportunities. And, you know, you, you brought me into this world. Thank you. So, yeah, yeah, that's right. And that's a that's a sad thing not to be able to at least write to someone or look them in the face and tell them. Dana's aunt was pretty sure she knew Dana's birth father's identity. She used her Ancestry.com account to investigate the man's name. I searched the name that she gave me. And what I found out was that um, the name that she gave me, this, this, this guy, um, Milorad, they called him Mida, had, um, had passed away. So that was hard. <laughs> that was heartbreaking to see that. Man, that's two. Yikes. Yeah. 
She wasn't able to find out much about Milo, except that he migrated to the United States from Serbia in the 1970s. Dana tracked down the man's brother, who had some information to share and some skepticism about their familial connection. We met up and he gave me the, um, the family tree that he printed up for me. And he, he, I showed him like my, um, my ancestry DNA thing and he, he kept he kept telling telling his wife, it's like, well, something doesn't add up. I'm not sure if Mila was actually her, her birth father or not. So his wife goes, um, well, you have to tell Dana. You have to let her know. Because um, what if there's a man out there who's wondering what happened to his daughter? So he called me and he goes, I don't think your Aunt Jill's like necessarily the, like the best source of information when it comes to your birth father. So he goes, don't take this the wrong way, but it's like, I just don't want you thinking that, you know, that, that your birth father passed away and that's, that's the end of it. So I'm over here like, okay, you know, how do I take this? What do I, what do I do next? Right. So I decided to go on to my ancestry DNA matches because I hadn't checked them out a while. And believe it or not, I actually found a parent child match. Wow. Right on top. Yeah. What did you think? I mean, Tell me about the moment when you saw that. I was in shock. <laughs> I'm over here like, okay, first I find out that, that Milo isn't my isn't my birth father, and then I see this. Um, the guy's name is, is is Jay, and I would find out that, yes, he is my biological father, but like seeing that, it's like, you know, it, it was a roller coaster of emotions going from thinking that my birth father passed away to, to finding out that, no, that's not the right guy. He's still alive. Shocked by the news, energized to make contact with the man, but unsure how to approach this incredible situation, Dana contacted her uncle Steve for advice. He sensed her nervousness and uncertainty about how to proceed and offered to contact her birth father for her. After Steve made the call, he texted Dana to say, I just wanted to let you know I talked to Jay, and yes, he is your birth father. He's going to call you. But first he wants to call some family members, and he wants to tell his four sons about you. So I found out they have four half-brothers, too. Wow. So. <laughs> Dang. So, wow, that was really cool of him to call him. Yeah, <laughs> that was just wonderful. Man. And I will ever, forever be grateful to him for they they did that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Jay followed up with a text that said the same thing. He wanted to be in touch with her, but he needed to share the news with his family. A day or so later, Jay finally called. Dana works in early childhood development, so she's constantly around toddlers. She says that working around children, she is frequently exposed to their sicknesses, so unfortunately on the day Jay called, she had laryngitis. I tried my, like my best to, to talk to him, and then, and then I listened. I listened to everything they told me about my birth mom. So. so tell me about the call. What did he say? What kinds of things did he convey to you? Well, he told me that um, that my birth mom and him worked together. Um, they were they worked in different departments, but they worked in the same office office building. Okay. He also said that he he kind of had like a little bit of a crush on her, like like all all along. Like um, he thought that she was just like this older exotic woman, and finally he got the the nerve to ask her. He drove a motorcycle at the time, so one day he just went up to her and he goes, um, "You want to go for a ride on my motorcycle?" So that's how, that's how, that was the first set. That was the first set. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
And he also told me that, like, um, they dated for three months. They fought like crazy, but it was just, like, this intense, like, um, relationship. Jay would spend the night at her place, and they would go into the office together the next morning. Rumors flew about whether they were a couple or not, and the pair just looked at one another and laughed. Then Dana's mother broke up with Jay. They ran into one another on the street several months later. She was very, very visibly pregnant with him, and she told him, don't worry about it, it's not yours. So she pretty much said to Jay that I wasn't his daughter. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's, wow, I wonder what made her do that. I guess because I she know. broke up with him, she didn't want to feel tied to him still. Tied to him. That's what, mm. that's one of my birthdays and everything thinks, too. We've texted each other back and forth on, on this. Like, I wish that, that's another question for her. I, w I wish that I could ask her, you know, why did you tell him that? Mm. But we can only speculate, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What's yeah. done is done. So, so how was your conversation with him? How did you feel? It was like amazing, like just like wonderful. I, he's just like this very loving, like, like caring, caring guy. I think he, I, he definitely respects that my adoptive parents are my parents. So he just told me to call him, to call him Jay. It's like a, he goes, you don't have to call me dad. Just call me Jay. So that's <laughs> why I do. <laughs> that's really cool. When we talked, Dana and Jay had not met. He lives in Minnesota, and since she's in Ohio, they've contemplated meeting somewhere in between their homes, like Chicago. I asked her how their relationship has been from a distance so far. The relationship is just wonderful and amazing. Um, I call or text him every time a question pops into my head, and he'll text me right, right back. He put me into contact with all four of my half brothers, mm -hmm. and they have just been wonderful. They've been, they've always wanted a sister, all four of them. Really? So, so, You're like, here I all, am. Yeah, exactly, exactly. My um, my one half half brother um, like we're I'm friends with all four of them on Facebook now, and he like messaged me one day, my half brother Jeremy, and he goes, "So how's my um favorite sister?" I'm over like, "Ha ha, you're I'm your only sister." <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> She's friends with her brothers on Facebook, and Dana's aunt says she can see the resemblance between them. Dana's picked up on some similarities in their interests, from liking the same foods to an appreciation for classic rock. She learned that Jay and one of his sons. Dana's brother both played trumpet when they were younger, and so does Dana's son. One of her brothers is getting married in Florida, and the other brothers are thinking about driving down for the event. Dana can't make it, but she told the trio that if they drove through Ohio, she'd love to have them stay with her and her family for a night. Going back to her birth mother, I asked Dana if she had plans to pay her respects one day. Let me ask you, uh, going back to your mom, do you. Or do you have plans to visit her grave or, or anything along those lines? I wish I could, but she was cremated. And the one person who, who would know what happened to her ashes is my half-sister. And my relationship with her hasn't been, like, as welcoming as has been with my half-brothers. Mm -hmm. um, she never knew about me. She thought that she was an only child for 
for her entire life. Oh. So finding out that she had that she has an older sister that came is kind of like a shock to her. She so she just told me it's like you know she needs she needs time she needs she needs space and I get that you know yeah it's like I I can't imagine going thinking that you're an only child for like most for your entire life and then finding boom you have an older sister yeah so wow <laughs> how crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine. I mean, it's challenging regardless when you find out that you've got a, any sibling that you didn't know about. But to find mm -hmm. out, you know, that you've gone from not being an only anymore to having an older, that is a lot to swallow. How are you sort of managing the relationship? Do you just sort of text her periodically to say hi and try to, you know, keep in contact and just show that you're a nice person? Or, or are you just giving her complete space to try to figure out where she wants to go? I'll text her like on an, an, an occasion. One of the things I decided to do once we realized that ALS runs in my on her side of the family and my biological mom's side of the family is, was I decided to have um, genetic testing done because for my sake and for the sake of my sons, like I want to know if I have that gene. Sure. So I messaged her and I go, I told her that I would keep her in contact with her and everything. And, and I go, I still understand. I want to give you your, your, your space and everything, but I just wanted to let you know and I'll let you know how the, how the testing goes. And she goes, she goes, thank you for understanding. Thank you for, for giving me my space. And yeah, good luck with the testing and definitely let me know. So, so it's like, I'll do like little things like that, but it's like, I'm not going to inundate her with questions yet. Yeah. When she's ready to talk to me, she will, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right. You're, you're, taking the right approach i think you got to give her the time and space to consume the whole thing and really exactly. get it, let it sit comfortably with her um and hopefully one day she'll she'll reach out and try to make some deeper contact with you dana hadn't done the genetic test yet when we spoke for insurance to approve the test she has to meet with a psychologist then a neurologist then hopefully she'll be approved for testing i asked her how she felt when she first found out about the prevalence of ALS in her genes. When I first find, found out about it and realized that it's it's something that happens in gen, every generation, so we found out there was familial ALS. So um, when when we first realized it, my husband was the one that, that kind of encouraged me to, to get tested. He goes, you know, because the, there's a 25% chance, I guess, that I could have the gene, 50% chance I could... I, that my son could have it if I have it. Mm -hmm. So for his sake, for my sake, it's like I want to know. I need to know. Yeah, that's uh, it's great when you are able to finally figure out some of the things that you are genetically predisposed to so that you mm -hmm. can at least have awareness, if not take preventative action so as to exactly. you know, lead a higher quality of life for life, longer. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's really great yeah. that you have that information as, as you know, sort of, potentially scary as it might be. I'm, I'm glad that you're proactively seeking out some additional knowledge about what it means for you and your family. That's great. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Like um, the way that I figured I met with a genetic counselor from the Cleveland clinic and she told me that like, um, even if I don't have the gene, they can use that, the data in case my son wants to get tested someday. Like he cannot get tested legally until he turns 18 because they won't do it. Um, an adult um, onset disease until after until after he's turned 18 but it's like if he decides that he wants to do it someday they can use that information to look for the for the gene in him mm -hmm. so either way it's like you know i think this will this will be a good thing dana's adoptive parents told her that if a search was something she felt she needed to do she should go for it 
but sometimes what people say and what's in their heart are incongruous. Fortunately, Dana's adoptive parents continue to be supportive. Oh, they've been wonderful. They've they've been just like 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 awesome. My mom was teasing me like a little bit, and she goes, um, "So with all the, your four half brothers, you're still kind of surrounded by boys, aren't you, Dana?" And we're like, "Yep," because <laughs> I have all I have all little boys in my classroom. I live with my husband, my son, and my and my brother in law. So it's like, yeah, yeah. I guess I am surrounded by boys, so that's but okay. <laughs> but yeah, she's both of them have just been awesome and. My uncle Steve, um, my parents were in town for for Easter, and and my uncle Steve really wanted to meet them, so he came over like um he came over for for dessert, and we were just kind of hanging around talking, and and he told my my parents that um boy you've done a wonderful wonderful job with with Dana she's pretty awesome, and and I go it's like yeah I wasn't that awesome when I was a teenager, but thanks. <laughs> 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 that's pretty funny wow i'm glad dana that everything has gone so well for you i mean i'm really sorry that you weren't able to come face to face with your biological mother but it sounds like you got some answers and and you know you've learned both who she is and finally figured out who your biological father is and it sounds yeah. like almost everybody is doing just fine with the news of your reemergence. they are <laughs> that's good it's just been awesome yeah that's and great i think that i was so nervous and in scared about sending out the the first contact letter but it's like i'm glad that i did yeah you know? yeah if i wouldn't have sent that out it's like i wouldn't have came in contact with the gulbies and wonderful amazing people so all these wonderful amazing families so wow that's so cool dana thank you so much for your time i appreciate you telling me your story no problem it's good to talk to you take care all the best you too bye 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 Hey, it's me. Reflecting on Dana's journey, I was glad to hear that she felt comfortable with her upbringing in her adoptive family. It's not always easy to get along with your family, even when you're biologically related. So it was good to hear that Dana felt loved as equally as the other children. It was sad to hear that she just missed possibly meeting her birth mother by only two years when Ohio's adoption records were finally opened. But I couldn't help thinking that it might have been really tough if Dana had met her mother in the final stages of ALS. Or if Ohio never opened their adoption records and she had to travel a long, arduous road to even discover her mother's identity. And I can only imagine the initial heartbreak of learning that her suspected biological father was also deceased, only to learn that he was the wrong man and that Jay was alive and wanted to meet her. I followed up with Dana to see how things were going. Here's a piece of her email reply. I met Jay and his wife for the first time in person in August when he decided to take a road trip to his son's wedding in Key West. He's amazing and awesome and there's a part of me that is a little angry with my biological mother for how she treated him, but I know in my heart that it all worked out for the best. Oh. And we're booking a trip to visit my half-brother and his husband for Christmas at their home in Key West. So, this will be the best Christmas ever. I'm Damon Davis, and I hope you'll find something in Dana's journey that inspires you, validates your feelings about wanting to search, or motivates you to have the strength along your journey to learn. Who am I, really? If you would like to share your adoption journey and your attempt to connect with your biological family, please visit whoamireallypodcast.com slash share. You can choose to share your whole story, 
maintain some privacy about parts of your journey, or share completely anonymously. You can find the show at facebook.com slash WAIReally, or follow me on Twitter at WAIReally. And please, if you like the show, you can support me at patreon.com slash WAIReally. You can subscribe to Who Am I Really on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, it would mean so much to me if you would take a moment to share a rating or leave a comment. Those ratings can help others to find the podcast too. Music